Hello, my name is Emily Jennings, and welcome to the very first episode of the She's Heard podcast, where we'll be hearing from extraordinary everyday people from different professions and walks of life about how they found their voice, are using it to speak up, and create a meaningful life. You'll be hearing stories that inspire us to be courageous, keep it real, be compassionate, and trust ourselves through the process of living bolder, more authentic lives. For this very first episode, I'll be interviewing myself and sharing parts of my story and a couple key experiences that have helped me find my voice. I'll also be answering the very questions that I'll be asking future guests who will be interviewed on the She's Heard podcast. I'm originally from Washington State, mostly the Seattle area. That is where I grew up and came of age. Currently, I live and work in San Francisco as a personal trainer. One of the things I really love about what I do is that every time I, myself, or any time I work with someone and we see an improvement in health or fitness or strength, it feels freaking amazing. Every time, every time I see improvement in myself or in one of my clients, it feels like magic. That hasn't faded. And I've been doing this for 17 years. It doesn't get old. To kind of expand that out, every time someone is a little bit more courageous, stands up for themselves or an injustice or speaks up despite being afraid, I believe that somehow it really does make it better for all of us. It's like the seeds of hope and freedom get a little bit of water when you speak up despite being afraid. And a little bit of sunshine every time you're a little bit more courageous than you were before. The chance for us to collectively grow expands and increases, if only for just a little bit. Our culture teaches women to be silent, polite, and not rock the boat. We are taught that our safety, our belonging, and physical and financial security are directly correlated to how likable we are. I learned this firsthand as a kid when I'd get punished for saying the wrong thing, and it got reinforced over and over again throughout adolescence and adulthood. About six years ago, my life imploded. I lost my job, my home, got into a car accident, and my relationship ended. This all happened within a month. This began a kind of reckoning and inquiry into the big existential questions like, who am I? What is this life all about? What do I really want my life to be about? What do I want my life to be for? Who am I without all the external metrics of success that society has been brainwashing me into since before I could speak? This undoing eventually led to living and working in Moscow, Russia for about three years and traveling a lot and exploring other countries and cultures. I fondly refer to this time of my life as my gypsy years. During my gypsy years, I had two really important experiences that helped me hear what some refer to as my internal GPS. These experiences helped me reclaim my voice and trust my internal wisdom and intuition. My first experience was with a group of about 10 to 15 women who went on a retreat that was led by Dara McKinley. 
And I highly recommend her work. You can learn more about Dara and her programs at daramckinley.com. So that's a little side note. So go check her out. But at the retreat that she led, we studied three things. We studied chakras, in case you don't know or are not familiar with chakras. In yoga and meditation and Ayurveda, chakras are referred to as wheels of energy throughout the body. There are seven main chakras, which align along the spine, starting from the base of the spine up through to the crown of the head. And you can think of them as swirling, as a swirling wheel of energy, where matter and consciousness come together where they meet. And it's believed that this invisible energy, referred to as prana, is a vital life force which keeps us vibrant, healthy, and alive. So we talked about those things and investigated the meanings and and it was it was it was really interesting. So um, then the second thing that we studied was Regina Thomas Howard's book called Mama Gina's School of Womanly Arts. These are not the kind of womanly arts where you balance a book on your head and learn how to sew and cook. It's the kind of womanly arts that explores and honors the goddess religions and the power of pleasure and the wisdom of the full spectrum of our emotions, our intuition, and the power of connection and community. And then the final thing that we integrated on the retreat was Nia. Nia is a super feminine form of movement and exercise, which was also new to me because I had only known exercise in the context of competition, performance, or rehabilitation. The idea of pleasurable movement was completely new and foreign to me. Being in a group of women with a wide range of ages was so healing and comforting and fun. Um, the chemistry of our group was such that just truth bombs and wisdom were just dropping left and right. And I had never experienced anything like it. It felt so right and good. It felt ancient and loving and like home in a way I just hadn't experienced before. We did many exercises, but one that really stuck out was an an exercise um, she called soul sweeping and where we partnered up and one partner would be the listener and one partner would be the person who was soul sweeping and you'd pick a specific subject to soul sweep on for 10 to 15 minutes or you could pick however much time you felt you needed. The listener doesn't do anything but listen They don't interject advice. They don't share their opinion. They don't give any form of agreement. They're just simply focusing and listening and holding just the container for listening. For example, um, let's say we're going to, just to give you an example, let's say we're going to soul sweep on the subject of, oh, let's say men. So, and I'm the one who's soul sweeping and then there's a listener and the listener asks me, so Em, what do you have on men? And I'd say, um, men, 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 men. Okay. Um, there's a lot of men. There's a lot of men. They seem to be everywhere. Then the listener would say, thank you, M. What else do you have on men? And I'd respond. Um, more often than not, it seems that they walk around like they know everything. And then she'd say, okay, thanks. What else do you have on men? And so we'd repeat this back and forth process for the duration of um, whatever we agreed on. And you can do this on any subject. I found this experience to be very incredible, actually. 
I, why, one, because I didn't know that I could answer the same question over and over again with a different answer for such a long period of time. And two, I had never been in a container that helped me peel back all the layers of my thoughts to get to a deeper wisdom that somehow seemed inherent in me. It was also incredible to not only go through the process of tapping into my own wisdom, but to then reciprocate it for the person who was just holding that space for me. To be the person keeping the container for my partner to tap into her inherent wisdom. It was, it was wonderful. It was incredible. So this exercise, as well as the whole experience with just such a diverse range of women, really helped me trust the inherent wisdom in myself and the potential for that in others as well. And I didn't know that before. It helped me see the creativity and love and joy that's possible when you are able to move beyond comparison and competition and the constant chronic subtle background thoughts of sizing up where one resides in the strata and hierarchy and busyness of society. And walking away from that experience, I felt a deep relaxation and trust and openness and joy that I had never experienced prior to that. So the other experience that really helped me reclaim my voice happened while I was living in Moscow, Russia, and it was 2013. And I got the unique opportunity to be an actress in the Vagina Monologues. In case you don't know, the Vagina Monologues are a series of interviews written by Eve Ensler. They're a collection of stories of women from all over the world about sex, sex work, body, and reproductive issues. It was an interesting piece to perform in Russia at this time. It felt kind of dangerous. It was the time of Pussy Riot, when there was an international outcry because this group of women were imprisoned for demonstrating topless in a church. It was a really unsafe place for anyone who identified on the spectrum of being queer, as the gay clubs had been shut down overnight. Also, a controversy over Edward Snowden, was gaining international attention as he was about to seek asylum in Russia. I had never experienced this level of political tension and unrest before. So our director found a place to perform the vagina monologues at an old Soviet theater. Our performance had somehow attracted the attention of the FSB, which is the modern-day KGB, Come the night of our performance, they sat themselves in the front row, and it became very clear very quickly that they were there to disrupt and be disrespectful. They were standing up and sitting down and clinking their glasses and talking over us. Also, in typical Russian form, the restaurant owner, who originally seemed to be supportive of our cause, has started bribing patrons and audience members and taking money from our ticket sales. It felt dangerous. We were tired and stressed, and I was starting to really question, is it really that important that we do this? Is it worth it? Back to the evening of our performance, and everyone had finished their individual monologues, and we had come together for the final act. We stood together, shoulder to shoulder, in an arc facing the audience, and one by one, Each member was to declare why we were rising, why we were coming together. 
when it came turn for the woman standing to my left to declare her intention and, and why she was rising, her shoulders caved forward as if she didn't have the courage to go on. But she spoke anyway. I could hear her courage through her fear as she spoke with this shaky, soft voice and hunched shoulders. The microphone came to me and I felt scared. I felt really hot and jittery. My throat was dry and I was really tired and I really wanted a drink of water. Yet I was deeply moved and encouraged by the woman to my left. So I took my step forward and somehow found my voice. I said, I rise for authentic partnership. I rise for the freedom and safety to express beauty, however one may define it. We came together for our final bow, and I held the sweaty palms of the women on either side of me. We raised our hands, and time froze. It was a split second that felt like an hour. I was in awe of the women and myself, who, despite our fear and shaky, cracked voices, stood and spoke courageously. In that moment, I felt the wisdom Maya Angelou once spoke about when she said that each time a woman stands up for herself, without knowing it possibly, without claiming it, she stands up for all women. And we bowed and left. That experience has never left me. I learned something I didn't know before. I learned I had the ability, and every woman on that stage had the ability to speak in the face of fear, intimidation, bribery, and cracked voices. I felt the power of solidarity. To be honest, we had conflicts and a lot of challenges with personality and cultural differences. But what I learned is that we must have the respect within ourselves and for each other to listen, to own our story, to speak up and come together, to work through our differences with the intention, commitment, and belief that every single one of our voices and stories is important, no matter where we're from and no matter what we look like. I believe that if every woman had the courage and confidence to really speak her truth, to have support to process through whatever she's dealing with, we would have a much more inclusive, tolerant, kind, and compassionate world. Of course, we're not all going to like each other, and we're not all going to get along perfectly, but we must respect each other. We must find a way to coexist and have healthy conflict. We must figure out a way to live together despite all our differences. I know I'm not alone when I say I am sick of all the insanity that is happening. I'm sick of all the killing and all the sexual assault. I'm sick of it. 
So this is the part where I move into questioning myself, asking myself questions. So, um, your body is a tuning fork. It's giving you information all the time. And oftentimes there's a tell that when something is off or when you feel the pull that you've got to say something or stand up, there's a tell in your body. So what's that tell in your body? Where do you feel in your body that something is off, that you need to say something? So for me, I typically feel like a tightness in my throat. It feels just constricted. And then it kind of goes down and it can go down all the way into my gut. So it's like there's this whole line of tightness. And if it's really bad, there's this burning from my gut through up through my sternum and then into my throat. So that's my tell at this point in time. <laughs> so next question is, what gets you out of bed in the morning? <laughs> I love this question. Joy and justice, baby. Joy and justice. Truly. That's what gets me out of bed in the morning. And um, also what gets me up is just the opportunity to be my healthiest, strongest self. To come back to that again and again. And also to stand for that and help others do that as well. Just to really live as fully and richly as possible. So next thing to answer and investigate is gratitude. Gratitude and joy. They're twins. They go hand in hand. The more you practice gratitude, the more joy you get. And then the more joy you're experiencing, the more joy gets radiated out into the world. So I'm curious, what are you grateful for? Ah, I love this question so much. Um, I am grateful for my life. I'm freaking grateful for my life. I'm grateful for the numerous second chances I've had to start over and be a better person and help myself and others get stronger. I am grateful for the guardian angels who have loved and guided me, who remind me of who I am when I forget. I'm, I'm grateful. Uh, I'm grateful for the warriors of healing and social justice, like Maya Angelou and James Baldwin and Gloria Steinem and Bell Hooks and Angel Kyoto Williams and Catherine Ashton and Carrie Kelly and so many more. And I am grateful for Matthew Klein and I am grateful for Elena Williams and I'm grateful for the sun and ocean and the giant redwood trees and that I live where I live and that my life is unfolding in the way that it's unfolding. Marianne Williamson wrote a quote called Our Deepest Fear that Nelson Mandela used in one of his famous speeches. And this is what she wrote. Our deepest fear is not that we are inadequate. Our deepest fear is that we are powerful beyond measure. It is our light, not our darkness, that most frightens us. We ask ourselves, who am I to be brilliant, gorgeous, talented, fabulous? Actually, who are you not to be? You are a child of God. Your plain small does not serve the world. There is nothing enlightened about shrinking so that other people won't feel insecure around you. We are all meant to shine, 
just as children do. We were born to make manifest the glory of God that is within us. It's not just in some of us, it's in everyone. And as we let our own light shine, we unconsciously give other people permission to do the same. As we are liberated from our fear, our presence automatically liberates others. So, M, in honor of your brilliant, gorgeous, talented, fabulous self, what are you most proud of? Please shine a light on what you love and appreciate about yourself, your gifts, how far you've come, what you've overcome, who you are today. That is a very big question. Thank you for asking. So, um, I am most proud of my inherent thirst and curiosity and joy for life. I am most proud of my resiliency and capacity to love and forgive and learn and grow. And to do this again and again and recommit to it as many times as I need to throughout the day. That's, that's what I'm most proud of. What is your wish for the country, the world, or the planet? <laughs> My wish is that we learn how to really listen to each other that we figure out a way to live sustainably together and sustainably with the planet, that we learn how to have healthy conflict, that we learn how to take care of ourselves, and that we figure out a way to restore ourselves and the planet. That's, that's my wish at this point in time. Next question. When you die, who do you want most to miss you? Thought of in a different way. What do you want your life to be for? What will then be missing when you've passed on? (sighs) When I die, I want every little last drop of my life to have been used up to cause as much healing and connection and celebration and community and joy as possible. I want those who I'm closest with to know me as a catalyst for them to fully live their life and to fully step into their highest and greatest selves and to fulfill, to be a catalyst for them to fulfill their deepest desires and dreams. And then to have that trickle out into the community and the planet and that is what I want my life to be for. Em, is there anything else you want to add or mention that we haven't covered? Why, yes, there's actually something I would like to talk about. Thank you so much for asking. I would like to talk about lessons learned from geese. Geese, you say? Yes, geese. Lessons learned from geese. So this was um, originally written by Robert, Dr. Robert McNeish, in 1972. And so here are some lessons that we can learn from geese. As each goose flaps its wings, it creates an uplift for the birds that follow. By flying in a V formation, the whole flock 
has 71% greater flying range than if each bird flew alone. So the lesson we can learn from this is that people who share a common direction and sense of community can get where they are going faster and more easily because they are traveling on each other's effort and momentum. When a goose falls out of formation, it suddenly feels the drag and resistance of flying alone. It quickly moves back into formation to take advantage of the lifting power of the bird immediately in front of it. And here's the lesson from that. If we have as much sense as a goose, we stay in formation with those headed where we want to go. We are willing to accept their help and give our help to others. When the lead bird tires, it rotates back into the formation to take advantage of the lifting power of the bird immediately in front of it. And the lesson to learn from that is that it pays to take turns doing the hard tasks and sharing leadership. Let me say that again. It pays to take turns doing the hard tasks and sharing leadership. As with geese, people are interdependent on each other's skills, capabilities, and unique arrangements of gifts, talents, and resources. The geese flying formation honk. So let me repeat that. The geese flying in formation honk to encourage those up front to keep up their speed. They're like, honk, 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 keep flying. And the lesson learned from that is we need to make sure our honking is encouraging. In groups where there is encouragement, the the production and productivity is much greater. The power of encouragement is the quality of honking we seek. When a goose gets sick, wounded, or shot down, two geese drop out of formation and follow it down to help and protect it. They stay with it until it dies or is able to fly again. Then they launch out with another formation to catch up with the flock. And the lesson to learn from this is that if we have as much sense as geese, we will stand by each other in difficult times as well as when we're strong. The collective commitment of the group creates security for each individual. And I love this so much because we can, there's, it's just packed with wisdom about how we can support each other, our interdependence. Um, yeah, so that's something I just wanted to add. So as a final note, I believe that we, as the mama bears of our species, really must come together now more than ever in ways we never have done before to disrupt and put an end to all the suffering and killing and starvation and sexual abuse and corruption. We must start stepping into who we really want to be and create the change we really want in our own lives and the world. My stand is that we find a way to do this for ourselves and the greater community simultaneously. So that's it. 
Thank you so much for listening. If you have a story to share or an experience that helped you find your voice, I'd love to hear from you. Please go to she'sheard.com, click on the button that says share your story. Also, if you'd like to receive updates on opportunities to connect and the latest podcast, please sign up for our newsletter, which you will also find at she'sheard.com. Again, thank you so much for tuning in. Please tune in again for future episodes. I've got some really extraordinary, exceptional people for us to learn from and be inspired by. So thank you, thank you, thank you for being here, standing for our collective liberation. May you go and be well. I'll see you on the interwebs.